Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. Welcome back. You are tuned into Corporate Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting with your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. So I have a question for all of you out there tonight. Are you concerned about the future of the Internet? And if the answer is no, my question to you would be, why not? And there are some worrying stories coming out of late about some of the expected crackdown and changes to the Internet that will be taking place in the coming months and years. We went over some of that yesterday on New World Next Week, my weekly video series with James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com, which is available at NewWorldNextWeek.com, talking about how Gmail is now going to start warning uh, some of its clients that, oh, your account may have been hacked by a state-sponsored terrorist, cyber terrorist. Well, regardless of all of the different nuances of that story and what Google really is and what side of uh, the, uh, the debate they're really coming from, Well, in spite of all of that, I think one of the things that that indicates is the growing awareness of this new cyber terror paradigm, by which, undoubtedly, there's going to be the excuse for a crackdown on the free and open internet as we have hitherto enjoyed it. We have some more indications of that coming out by the day, including a recently USA Today post, Obama conducts cyber attack exercise. Or we have uh, from The Guardian, Obama's virus wars mutually assured cyber destruction. And we're just getting more and more indications that the internet is, uh, the internet clampdown is coming. So once again, if you're not concerned about that, I would ask you why not? Because uh, the internet may or may not affect your life in a very uh, deeper, important way, but for at least one thing, you wouldn't be listening to my voice right now if it weren't for the internet. So. It does have uh, some merits for whatever drawbacks it may have. And unfortunately, they definitely do want to clamp down on the Internet and want to stop independent alternative voices like mine and like many others from reaching you because this is the way that we are destroying and tearing through the old paradigms by which they sought to control our mind and enslave us in, in that most important of all battle spaces, the battle f- battlefield of your mind, the battlefield, the uh, the big war for cognitive independence. So what is the way to fight back against this? Well, as I've stressed repeatedly over the years on this broadcast, it is absolutely imperative that we all try to get offline with our information as much as we get it from the in- the Internet itself. So we have to have physical copies, we have to have backups, we have to have uh, go-to systems that we can use if and when the internet does get shut down. And on that note, lo and behold, what do I have up my sleeve to help in this process but a brand new data DVD that we've been talking about on this broadcast all week. It's the Daddy DVD Volume 2, which represents every single podcast episode, every interview, every video, and every article that I created and conducted at CorbettReport.com in 2009. So six gigabytes of data, an incredible amount of media there, all on one DVD. And it is a perfect tool for people who are looking for that physical hard copy backup of all of this information. And if you did appreciate some of the work that did come out in 2009, and there was quite a voluminous amount, as uh, as you can tell from the size of the disc, if you did appreciate that, then I would appreciate your support in buying this new data DVD and helping to support the independent media even as you get a physical copy of this uh, this media that you can use to uh, to get off the grid and to make sure that you have some sort of backup if and when the internet ever does go down. 
And uh, right off the bat tonight, let me just stress that all of this is, of course, freely available for download from the Corbett Report. So if uh, it, you, you certainly don't have to uh, pay anything to get it, you can download each podcast and in, in interview and article and video independently, one by one, and just save it to your hard drive or whatever. But if you do want to support this and you do want it in one convenient location, you can now buy the data DVD from CorbettReport.com. There's a banner right there on the front page. So let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll start exploring Data DVD Volume 2. Welcome back to Corporate Report Radio. I'm here on this Friday night with this edition of Friday Night Highlights of Corporate Report Radio. And if it is your first time listening to Friday Night Highlights, we're going to dip through the archives of CorbettReport.com for some examples of some work that I've done in the past at Corbett Report, bringing some alternative independent information, interviews, videos, etc. So we're going to highlight some of that work here on the broadcast tonight. And as I mentioned in the first segment tonight, we're going to be talking about my brand new Data DVD Volume 2, which represents all of the work that I created for CorbettReport.com in 2009, now available for the first time on one handy-dandy Data DVD that can be played in any modern uh, computer DVD player and should be readable by any modern Mac or PC system. So it is one as I say, great resource for not only for a physical hard copy in case the uh, dreaded internet crackdown arrives and they start scrubbing voices like mine from the internet, but also just uh, to have all of this information in one place that you can then make copies of and distribute to your friends and family and neighbors and complete strangers and to anyone else that uh, that you think might benefit from this information. So tonight we're going to highlight some of the information that's on here. Once again, it's six gigabytes of data, which is an incredible amount of data. So lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of videos and interviews, articles, podcast episodes, just so much media crammed into this one disc that I certainly hope that you'll purchase your copy, not only to help support me, but also to uh, to keep the information going. And uh, both of those, I think, are, are important uh, goals, at least for myself. So... Uh, once again, you can support by uh, going to CorbettReport.com and purchasing your copy. And later on tonight, we will be giving away the last free copy that I'll be giving away this week in memory of the fifth anniversary. We've been giving away one free copy of this disc each night, and tonight is the final chance for you to win, so keep listening for that. But right now, we're going to dip into this archive of uh, this treasure trove of material for an interview way back from uh, 2009 that I conducted with Nigel Farage, the leader of UKIP, on the occasion of the Lisbon Treaty vote in Ireland, the second vote that uh, that was really the EU constitution in all but name. So on that occasion, we had the chance to talk to Nigel Farage, and we're going to listen to a clip from that interview. Unfortunately, as you may know, the Lisbon Treaty was ultimately voted on for by the, uh, the Irish uh, electorate, or at least supposedly. And unfortunately, the Lisbon Treaty went into effect. But let's listen to this interview, which nonetheless contains lots of interesting information about UKIP. This is James Corbett of The Corbett Report. It's the 1st of September 2009, and joining me today is Nigel Farage, member of the European Parliament for Southeast England and leader of the United Kingdom Independence Party. 
He has been a tireless campaigner against the EU's attempts to undermine the UK's national sovereignty ever since co-founding the UKIP in 1993, and is co-leader of the multinational Eurosceptic coalition Europe of Freedom and Democracy. Mr. Farage, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Not at all, not at all. Well, as we sit on the verge of Ireland's historical second vote on the Lisbon Treaty, and as we see the very real possibility of the creation of a European federal superstate, perhaps you could shed some light on just how Europe has arrived at this juncture and why you have been so passionately dedicated to stopping this consolidation of power in Brussels. Well, I mean, like many things in life, um, and communism perhaps being the best example, um, these things start with good intentions. And... The idea was that Europe, the continent, had been ravaged by two world wars with the loss of tens of millions of of, of lives, and that the idea was that if people were put more closely together, that it would prevent a repetition of that. So, okay, let's, you know, give them 10 out of 10 for having a good idea. (laughs) However, the peoples of Europe um, accepted European cooperation, but what they never understood is they were actually being signed up to something that the architects of it never dared talk about. And that was the creation not of something where we trade together, where we're friends together, where we're good neighbors together, but actually the creation of a state. And it is, I think, the sheer dishonesty with which this has been done that first drew me from business to get involved with politics. And we're now in a situation where even when the voters in countries reject the entire concept, the European Union and the political class in those member state countries contrived to ignore those votes and to continue. And we've had, over the last few years, a constitution. Uh, The French said no, the Dutch said no, they relabeled it and rebranded it, and the Irish said no, and now they're making the Irish vote again. So, I mean, now, I would argue that the European Union itself has become the very nationalistic and extreme organization that it purported to stop in the first place. Well, certainly it speaks volumes that the European Constitution was stopped in its tracks when the French and the Dutch were actually allowed to have a say on it, and that the thinly disguised Constitution, now the Treaty of Lisbon, was halted after the Irish rejected it in the only democratic referendum that the treaty faced. So how does the the British government justify not giving the people of the UK a referendum on this historical treaty? They stick to the line, just as the French government does, and just as the Dutch government do, they stick to the line that the Lisbon Treaty is different to the EU constitution. Well, in fact, in terms of content, it is virtually the same. There is not a single power that was proposed for the European Union in the constitution that has been removed for this so-called Treaty of Lisbon. Um, It is just being done with the most incredible dishonesty and deceit. And is it any wonder that we're now living in a time in Europe, right across Europe, where the disenchantment that voters feel with their traditional mainstream parties has never been greater. And, and, I, and I would argue that the reason that the UK Independence Party, known as UKIP, the reason that we came second in a national election on the 4th of June, namely the European elections, was really a symptom of that growing distrust of traditional career politicians. Well, you have called the UKIP the real voice of opposition in the UK and the center ground of British public opinion. And certainly the polls show that the public is deeply unhappy with the way their national sovereignty is being eroded by the EU. So so why do you think this deep-seated displeasure is so often dismissed by the government, the parliament, and much of the mainstream media? Uh, because it's what they want, above all. I mean, most people in the professional political class, and I use that term advisedly because they're people who go straight from the university into politics and have no 
experience of life outside of it. Uh, for most people in that position, the European Union has been a wonderful thing. Um, you know, if you happen to lose your seat in a national parliament election, well, don't worry, uh, the boys in Brussels will always find you a job. It's, 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 it's been like the most fantastic safety net for politicians, um, and, and, and cynically, um, they believe in it. And it's also the other phenomenon in politics. It was Milton Friedman that talked about the tyranny of the status quo. And the fact is, you know, we are in this thing now. And so people take a view, well, we'll just jolly well have to get along with it. And they con many members of the public into voting for their parties by promising them that they're going to reform it, that they're going to change it, even though the reality is they've got no chance of doing so. Well, I think, as you say, a lot of the public is being conned into this. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are seeing through that propaganda. And this is obviously an issue that affects people all across Europe and indeed citizens around the world who are wary of the centralization of powers in the hands of elite bureaucrats and power brokers. So how do you think citizens outside of Ireland who are interested in this issue can best help to bring awareness to the issues raised by this treaty in a meaningful way? It's very difficult. I mean, I'm one of the few people in a position where I can do something because I have a group in the European Parliament and we have a budget and we're able to put information out in Ireland. Uh, but for most people, it, I mean, all they can really do, most ordinary voters across Europe, and remember the Irish aren't just voting for their own democracy, they're voting for democracy on behalf of all of us. Realistically, all that most people can do is to stand on the sidelines as observers. And that is, that is deeply deeply frustrating the people, but I'm afraid that's the reality. Well, you do a good job of putting this into perspective because, indeed, this is a world historical moment and this treaty is, is of such importance. And, of course, a lot of this now does rest on the, uh, the shoulders of the Irish people. So if you had a moment to address the Irish voters who are going to have a chance to reject this Lisbon Treaty, what would you say to them? I'd say to them, please, please do not believe what your politicians are telling you. They are telling you that they, as a result of your first no referendum, they have now won some specific guarantees from the European Union that will exempt them from being part of a European army, that will preserve their own laws on abortion and euthanasia, and that will maintain their tax system. Don't believe them. These guarantees are not worth the paper they're written on. They're not legally enforceable in any other way. You are being bullied. It is, it is an affront to democracy that the first time you voted it wasn't listened to. And you can send a message, not just to your politicians, but to politicians across the entire continent, that they're headed in the wrong direction, that they need to take heed of what you, the ordinary people, think, and that if they don't, their days are numbered. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Farage, tell us uh, how people can find out more about yourself and your party if they're interested in supporting you. Well, just have a look at uh, UKIP.org, um, look at the website, and you'll see masses of uh, video footage, and you'll see lots of policy ideas, and you'll see lots of stories about the European Union. And I would just say this to people, you know, with or without a Lisbon Treaty that many of you may not know much about, just think of this. We're now in a position in the United Kingdom where 75% of the new laws that are made every year are not made by the men or women that we vote for and send to the Westminster Parliament. They're made by the institutions of the European Union. But for the privilege of that, we have to pay a membership fee of £40 million a day to an organization whose accounts have not been signed off by the auditors for the last 14 years in a row. And that all that those that went before us had to fight and defend through two world wars, namely our ability 
to govern ourselves in our own nation and to trade freely and make our own associations across the world, all of that is being thrown out with the bathwater as if it doesn't matter. And the reason that I'm in politics and the reason that UKIP is now on the rise is that I think the scales are beginning to fall from people's eyes, they're beginning to realize they've been lied to, and they're beginning to say to themselves, let's do something, let's make sure that our children and grandchildren can grow up in a country that they can call their own. Well, I agree wholeheartedly that the scales are falling off the eyes and that, that people are waking up in mass. So I certainly hope they will go to find out more about UKIP from your website. And uh, Mr. Farage, thank you for taking uh, time out of your very busy schedule to talk with me today on the Corbett Report. Thank you very much indeed. Back to Corbett Report Radio on this Friday night edition of the broadcast. As we continue going through the brand new Data DVD Volume 2 that's available now for purchase from CorbettReport.com with the first batch expected to be shipping out this weekend. So get your orders in now if you want to be part of that first ever shipment of this DVD. Once again, you can find more information at CorbettReport.com. Just click on the support tab at the uh, top of the homepage. And you'll be able to find more about this data DVD. Before the break, we're listening to a 2009 conversation that I had with Nigel Farage, the leader of the UKIP, the UK Independence Party, that uh, is really uh, worrying the establishment in many different ways. And so you can listen to that interview as well as uh, 55 other interviews that are crammed onto this data DVD uh, with people like uh, Charlie Skelton and uh, Jim Tucker and Max Kaiser and Gerald Salente and Alex Jones and uh, Jim Stewart and uh, uh, Tony Gosling, Daniel Estulin, former Congressman Dan Hamburg, uh, Paul Craig Roberts, and of course uh, Bob Chapman, the the leading light of liberty who unfortunately we lost this week although he is not lost to all of us in our in our hearts and in our minds and as long as we continue to carry on his legacy and uh there are my first interviews with Bob Chapman right here on this data DVD collected all in one handy dandy location so once again it is not only a way to support me it's also a valuable information resource so Having said that, let's take a look at some of the articles that are available on this uh, this data DVD. Once again, collecting all of the articles that were posted on CorbettReport.com during 2009. And uh, and yes, during, during 2009, I was also publishing uh, third-party articles, articles by people who submitted articles to me. I no longer do that because the Corbett Report is the Corbett Report, so I try to keep it uh, all of my work uh, specifically. But uh, but I was at that time publishing from third-party uh, people who sent in articles, and uh, one of them was a very, very interesting and uh, quite a popular article called Yes, We Can that was uh, submitted by a, 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 well, a pseudonymous Winston Smith. And uh, it's an excellent article, of course, making uh, making fun of or, or exposing the reality behind the, the vacuous Obama catchphrase. And uh, so I'll just read that one for you uh, into the record here. It was posted to CorbettReport.com on the 31st of January, 2009. And it reads, Yes, we can make you believe in anything we want. Yes, we can lie incessantly through the unquestioning media. Yes, we can brainwash your minds with propaganda. Yes, we can make you unemployed. 
Yes, we can destroy your lives, your families, and your futures. Yes, we can repossess your homes. Yes, we can steal your money and give it to the fat cats. Yes, we can make you live in a constant state of fear. Yes, we can erode your quality of life. Yes, we can suck you dry. Yes, we can systematically attack your civil liberties. Yes, we can give most of our foreign aid to Israel. Yes, we can sit on our hands while Palestine is bombed disproportionately. Yes, we can crisscross the skies with chemtrails. Yes, we can spy on spy on you from every street corner. Yes, we can dismantle your privacy. Yes, we can pollute your rivers, lakes, and oceans with plastics and chemicals. Yes, we can make you believe and feel responsible for the global warming myth. Yes, we can meet secretly every year at a Bilderberg conference. Yes, we can make you bend to the will of the New World Order. Yes, we can fly planes into the World Trade Center sacrificing thousands of innocent people. Yes, we can galvanize public support into accepting any war we wish to perpetrate. Yes, we can make murders look like accidents or suicides. Yes, we can make you dance to our insane tune. Yes, we can make you believe that Al-Qaeda really exists. Yes, we can bring to extinction a vast number of species. Yes, we can genetically modify your food, threatening wildlife and biodiversity. Yes, we can assassinate those who spout ideas of love and peace. Yes, we can detain people indefinitely without charge and without trial. Yes, we can turn the masses into gormless sheep. Yes, we can make you work mundane jobs for little reward. Yes, we can make this world a living hell. Yes, we can have Osama bin Laden as a poster boy for terrorism. Yes, we can invade Iraq and surprisingly not find any weapons of mass destruction. Yes, we can worship a giant stone owl at Bohemian Grove. Yes, we can obfuscate the truth of human history. Yes, we can limit the true nature of human potential. Yes, we can run the global economy into the ground. Yes, we can saddle the third world with an insurmountable debt. Yes, we can enforce biometrics on an unsuspecting public. Yes, we can verichip your children. Yes, we can overload a child's immunity with vaccinations. Yes, we can perpetrate, perpetuate the glorification of war. Yes, we can make people follow murderous megalomaniacs in times of depression. Yes, we can dumb you down. Yes, we can stifle your free speech. Yes, we can rig elections. Yes, we can have two sides of the same political coin. Yes, we can divide you by class, culture, language, race, and religion. Yes, we can hypnotize you into accepting this reality, this facade you call life. Yes, we can have no place for common sense. Yes, we can keep you in perpetual sleep. Yes, we can make a lot of war money from war, oil, and opium. Yes, we can make countries by simply drawing lines on a Middle Eastern map. Yes, we can remove de- democratically elected leaders by force. Yes, we can live by double standards and hypocrisy. Yes, we can smuggle cocaine. Yes, we can rape and murder our MK Ultra sex slaves. Yes, we can spend billions of dollars on defense while your infrastructure crumbles. Yes, we can play the harp to shake you up. Yes, we can insert our symbology into your popular culture. Yes, we can hide the truth in plain sight. Yes, we can make you worship a false concept of God. Yes, we cannot have you understand the true nature of infinite consciousness. Yes, we can have you study a false conceptualization of the universe. Yes, we can make you obsessed with the materialistic and the superficial. Etc., etc. I will let you continue reading that really remarkable list and incredible article, once again submitted by Winston Smith and published on the Corbett Report in 2009, part of this data DVD, more on which after this break.
Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Once again, on this Friday night edition of the broadcast, going through the Corbett Report's brand new Data DVD Volume 2, representing every single piece of media published by the Corbett Report in 2009, now available in one disc for 5,000 Japanese yen. That's about $50 American for 6 gigabytes of data and literally more more hours of media than you can shake a stick at. And as I say, it's, I think, I believe, I trust, a, ho- a valuable tool for your info arsenal. So I hope you will support me and get yourself a very important piece of information uh, for you to use to help wake others up at the same time. It's a win-win for everyone. And there will be one more free version of free copy of the DVD that we'll be giving out tonight. So again, stay tuned for that. We'll be announcing how to get that later on in tonight's broadcast. Let's continue going through the DVD. We've taken a look uh, briefly at uh, an example of an interview and an article from uh, the DVD. The uh, DVD also contains every single video that I managed to create in 2009, uh, which includes the beginning of the abandoned, unfortunately abandoned, but nonetheless, I think, interesting and informative documentary, Al-Qaeda Doesn't Exist. It includes uh, various interviews that I did with people, including M1 of Dead Prez, um, Daniel Estlin and Jim Tucker and Alex Jones. Uh, it includes an example of my uh, film literature in the New World Order series, that one on Brave New World, uh, the beginning of the Economics 101 series that we've talked about on this broadcast before, an interview with uh, Calgary my, uh, activist Nathan Moulton, um, uh, interviews with uh, people like Arado DeBito here in Japan talking about IC cards for foreigners, all sorts of videos produced in 2009, and that was when I actually first got my HD camera, so I started producing uh, actual interviews and, and videos of myself for the first time. So a pretty momentous year for the Corbett Report in that regard. And another momentous occasion in 2009 in the video uh, section is the first ever pilot episode of The New World Next Week, which aired on October 11th, 2009. Hard to believe, but yes, New World Next Week has now been in existence for over two and a half years. We're approaching the third anniversary of The New World Next Week itself. So let's go back and just uh, for old time's sake, why don't we take a listen to the opening minutes of the first ever episode of New World Next Week with James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com and yours truly. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com and I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of a completely new news update series that I'm doing with my good friend and the host and webmaster of MediaMonarchy.com James Evan Pilato. Uh, James, it's great to have you on the program today. Thanks a lot, man. I've looked forward to doing this. Yeah, me too. Well, we're going to be covering a lot of stuff in this uh, in these news updates, uh, and uh, I know a lot of news junkies out there, and I'm one of them, but of all the news junkies I've ever known, you seem to be the biggest news junkie, which is saying a lot, so I'm looking forward to covering a lot of stories with you in, in this uh, series. So let's start. Uh, what are you covering on MediaMonarchy.com this week? Oh, were we ever so young? Actually, I suppose, yes, we were. Um, yes, it's quite a blast from the past to go back and rewatch that and the first uh, fumbling moments of my inept intro there, but, uh, but still interesting nonetheless. And, uh, and all of the first episodes of New World Next Week from the end of 2009 are there on that data DVD as well. So you ha- you'll have those in a physical copy if you buy the DVD. Um, and once again, lots and lots of videos, and of course, the other key component, one of the uh, the really bedrock p- 
parts of the Corbett Report in general, the podcast. And in this case, you get over 40 episodes of the Corbett Report podcast, everything from episode 70, How to Predict the Future, to episode 112, Showdown in Copenhagen. Of course, talking about the UNFCCC conference that took place in Copenhagen in December 20, uh, 2009. And uh, that was a pretty decisive one because, of course, it came just in the wake of the ClimateGate scandal. And the uh, all of my original ClimateGate uh, work is also on this uh, data DVD with my interview with Tim Ball and and the uh, ClimateGate uh, podcast episode, etc. So, um, so just a, a ton of information here on all sorts of different subjects. Once again, the uh, the podcast being one of the bedrock parts of the Corbett Report, really what's prompted me to to create the Corbett Report in the first place. So somewhere I've always uh, put my m- lots of my attention and care into uh, into making these episodes. Um, some some really great episodes I think uh, emerged in 2009, including one that uh, still I haven't listened to it in a long time, so I don't I don't know, but uh, but I, I always have the uh, a very fond recollection of episode 107, Lessons in Resistance Noncompliance. I was quite uh, pleased with the way that episode turned out. Um, we have other episodes like Peace Prizes for Warmongers, talking about the uh, the Obama Peace Prize and what that really signified. Um, uh, other things about 9-11, 9-11-09 and the bigger, bigger picture. Uh, things about uh, the, the biochemical attacks. You are being sterilized. Uh, uh, you are being programmed. Uh, food world order. Uh, just all sorts of different episodes. Again, I think quite a, a good range of topics and and very interesting issues covered during 2009 on the uh, the broadcast on the podcast and of course also episode 100 for those of you who might have been listening at the time you might remember that was a special uh, viewer uh, listener participation episode where uh, we presented 100 signs we are winning and it included uh, suggestions from people who phoned in and uh, and various people who uh, left their comments and also my own ideas about signs that we are winning this uh, info battle. But let's turn to an uh, episode that I conducted, uh, that I created in 2009 called Surviving the Collapse, which posited that gold, guns, and grub were really the key ingredients to surviving the economic collapse that we unfortunately see taking place. So let's turn to an excerpt from that uh, episode with our old friend, Bob Chapman. Of course, after that basic physical security is taken care of, one of course has to turn to finding a means for providing for the long-term security of their family, and in that case, of course, money is required. And of course, that's a fast-disappearing asset for most people, even as trillions and trillions more continue to be pumped into the system by the privately owned central banks of the world. And of course, it's disappearing because it's being inflated away into nothing, even as it's being sucked out of the real economy and pumped into the phony financial services economy. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the death spiral of the US dollar, its ending as a world reserve currency, and the fact that it's very soon likely to be worth about as much as toilet paper. To that end, divesting yourself of as much of those worthless paper dollars as you can and getting into a hard currency like gold or silver would seem highly prudent. And to that end, I recently had the chance and the honor to talk to Bob Chapman. Bob Chapman can be found at theinternationalforecaster.com, theinternationalforecaster.com, and he is an author, speaker, lecturer, and analyst of political, 
financial, economic, and societal issues, who provides a weekly and, in some cases, twice-a-week newsletter through the internationalforecaster.com. For decades, he was the largest gold and silver stockbroker in the world and ran the largest financial newsletter in the world. And thus it was with great interest that I asked him about how people can best position themselves economically in this very uncertain economic climate. Let's listen to a short extract from my conversation with Bob Chapman, which of course is available for download in its entirety from the homepage, CorbettReport.com. It's my position that the best chance at surviving um, this collapse is to purchase the three Gs, gold, guns, and grub. And by grub, I mean food, but that doesn't start with a G. So, Uh, At any rate, do you think uh, such a recommendation is off the mark? No. No, I've been telling people uh, to do this ever since I got them out of the stock market in 2000 into gold and silver coins and shares and bullion. And I've been after people to buy freeze-dried, dehydrated foods and put them away and to have a water filter in case pure water isn't available and also have a method of defending your family, preferably an assault weapon, or what they call an assault weapon, which is really not, but it looks like one because it's semi-automatic. And um, for the most part, I'll put it that way. And um, uh, that's the first thing you have to do. That's your insurance policy. And I get letters every day from people, gee, I, I never thought I'd get la- laid off. I've been with uh, General Electric for 28 years. But I listened to you. I sold my house two and a half years ago at the top of the market and I put my money in gold and silver uh, shares and coins. They're all up in value. And I put in dehydrated, freeze-dried foods. I've got weapons, and I've got a water filter, and so uh, I can live for the next two years without working. And so that's what this is all about, and that's what people should be doing. And I know the time is getting shorter, but it's never too late. It certainly isn't, and uh, the the more forewarned we are, the more far, forearmed we are, certainly. So let's get into some specifics then. Um, silver and gold are obviously two metals that you know very well, having been the largest silver and gold stockbroker in the world for decades. What advice would you have for people who are thinking of getting into the silver and gold market for the first time? Well, I think the deal that you deal with is extremely important, and we recommend uh, dealers in coins. We have a few of them that we've dealt with for many years. And uh, they are honest. Uh, they will help you on uh, uh, on a personal and suitability basis. The delivery is excellent. And uh, the quality of what you buy, will you'll get what you pay for. Uh, and the same thing with stockbrokers. I have a couple of people who I recommend and who've got over 35 years' experience. And uh, incidentally, I never get paid anything by anybody for recommending or doing anything. The only people who pay me are the people who uh, subscribe to the newsletter. And people who email me, I will answer everybody's questions. And if need be, I'll ask for a telephone number so I can call. Because sometimes people will say to me, well, I got an insurance policy and it's got $200,000 cash value in it and I'm 74 years old, what do I do? Well, it's not that easy to answer. So I, I have to write back and say, Mr. Jones, please send me a phone number. I'm going to call you. And that's what I do. 
Well, that's an incredible service to be providing, but of course, everyone's economic situation is unique, and it does require that kind of one-on-one uh, analysis sometimes. So that's an, an incredible service, and I'm sure that some of my listeners would be happy to take you up on that. Um, as the Austrian School of Economics is, is fond of pointing out, uh, fiat paper money only has value if we believe the con men who are trying to sell it to us. But gold, of course, will always retain its value even in a depression. Um, but of course, in the hyperinflation uh, economy that we're that we're moving into, uh, the paper will be worth nothing. But at the moment, we're still living in a paper economy. So, for the average American family today, what what percentage of a person's wealth do you think should be in precious metals? What percentage should be in stocks and investments? And what percentage should be kept liquid as cash? Well, along the way, it's it's been different numbers, but now. Um let me put it this way. All of my assets are in gold and silver, uh, related assets. And I don't know any place else to go to. You can't go into annuities and insurance because it could go under. Uh, you can't go in the stock market unless you want to short the market, which we've been unbelievably successful at. Uh, our newsletter recommendations have made more money for people than any newsletter in history. It's incredible. And uh, we're very happy about that, and we hope it continues. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't know where any place else to go. And if anybody else knows something better, please let me know about it, because the currencies are all fiat. Uh, even the euro is only 7% uh, backed by gold, and the rest of the currencies have no backing, like you just said, uh, Jim, that the currencies are only as good as the confidence that is backing the currency. And today, very few people have any confidence in any currency. People who understand what's going on. And as you've probably seen over the past year, there has been a contraction in the availability of gold and silver related assets such as coins and, and bars. As there's been a time when you couldn't get any and the premiums now are higher than they've ever been, and I think they're going to stay there. Because each day, people listen to broadcasts like this, and they say, gee, I knew something was wrong, and now I know what it is. So I'm going to go out and get some coins. And there are people all over the world who are listening to these broadcasts. I do 20 of them a week, plus my publication. We're reaching people all over the world, and people all over the world who are listening and understand, are doing that. And that is going to continue because the only real money is gold and silver, and it's going to come down to that. I mean, you see the G20 meeting coming up. They're all going to fight with each other over whether they're going to have another international trading unit, we'll call it. And what good is that going to do if they take the seven or ten, let's say ten major currencies of the world, where none of them except one is backed by anything. I mean, you're back to square one again. You've traded a fiat dollar for ten fiat currencies. There's no progress. Uh, maybe it'll extend the timeline as to what as to whether the entire world economy eventually goes into deflationary depression. We're in inflationary depression right now. And they might be able to extrapolate that out four, five, six years. I don't think so, but they may be able to. But once deflation takes over, the currencies are going to be worthless. 
Once again, the voice of Bob Chapman. And, uh, of course, as we went over earlier on the broadcast earlier this week, unfortunately, Bob Chapman did pass away on Monday. But he is gone in in body, but not in spirit. And he does live on in all of the uh, the media that he created, as well as all of the, uh, the writing he did, and, of course, all of the lives that he touched. And here he is on the Corbett Report Data DVD. Uh, not only in that episode, episode 81 of the Corbett Report podcast, Surviving the Collapse, um, which aired on the 29th of March 2009, but also in the interviews that he conducted with the Corbett Report that are on this disc as well. So another a very important uh, a part of the, the, the Corbett Report puzzle, the, the input from people like Bob Chapman, whose, of course, insights continue to resonate even now, even three-plus years later, still uh, very important insights there. And, of course, you can listen to the entire interview that is uh, just excerpted in that podcast episode as well available on this DVD. So, once again, let me stress all sorts of information available on this DVD. And when you purchase a copy from CorbettReport.com, you not only help me, but you also help yourself with uh, just a vast treasure trove of information. And as always, I stress that it's absolutely, uh, completely and totally okay for you guys out there to make copies of this DVD once you get yours and to, uh, to hand them out to people. That's uh, an important part of spreading this information and spreading the message, which is the most important part. All right, let's take our final break here on the broadcast. And when we come back, details about how one lucky person out there can win tonight's free copy of the Data DVD, Volume 2. Parting is such sweet sorrow, friends, isn't it? But part we will once again as we wind down the final few minutes of another week of broadcasts here on Corbett Report Radio, and it's difficult to believe that five broadcasts have already passed since I've returned from my vacation. It's uh, just uh, time continues passing by, and so uh, let's make the most of it while it continues to pass by. And on that note, I think we should get to the the point that many of you have been waiting for before time, the clock does wind down. Of course, I'm talking about the free DVD for tonight. And instead of a phone-in tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. As many of you will already know, I have a weekly newsletter that goes out every Saturday to my subscribers, people who pay at least 100 Japanese yen a month. That's about a dollar a month U.S., that, uh, that helps to support the Corbett Report and keep it going. So as my way of offering a thank you to those subscribers, I put out a weekly newsletter, and that is available at CorbettReport.com slash support. You can uh, sign up in order to get the, that newsletter. And every week it includes my editorial for the International Forecaster, which will be continuing from here on out. Of course, this week's forecaster will be more a tribute to Bob, but as of next week, as far as I'm aware, it will continue every Saturday. My editorials will continue to appear, so you can get that in your inbox every week. And once a month, I also include a special subscriber-only video, and this week, this uh, this week, yes, this uh, tomorrow, Saturday, I'll be putting in the subscriber video of my trip to Rome in the Roman Colosseum with a little bit of commentary from myself about that. So uh, you can look forward to that. 
But also another key part of the newsletter is that uh, all subscribers uh, will find in the newsletter discounts on all of my DVDs, 25% off just for being a subscriber. So as well, you will also have a chance to get 25% off the new data DVD. And on that note, I would like to, of course, encourage people out there who have not yet done so to subscribe to the newsletter. I think it is a valuable information resource. And uh, so in order to do that, why don't we try tonight's a free DVD will be a little bit different this time to the first new subscriber to the newsletter. The first new subscriber to the newsletter, as of these uh, the saying of these words, will get to receive the free DVD. So all you have to do is go sign up to become a subscriber to the Corporate Report newsletter, and you will get that free DVD. So once again, the first person in to subscribe will be the winner of that free DVD, a once again a 5,000 Japanese yen value, almost $50, just for signing up for a $1 a month subscription to a newsletter, which you will get every single week, week in and out. So I hope that uh, that, that is a fair trade. If you think so, why don't you subscribe now? CorbettReport.com slash support. Once again, your support is appreciated in all of its various forms, of course, not just monetary, but in all of the support that you give, the feedback, the encouragement, the criticism, the tips, the questions, all of that in through the CorbettReport.com contact form. It is all greatly appreciated, as is your support also in helping to spread the word about the website and about the information generally, because that's what it all boils down to. So once again, as you will have noticed, the uh, the videos, the interviews, all of that is winding up once again on the website, CorbettReport.com. I hope you are staying tuned as uh, as I get back online and as things continue as normal on the website. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up for another week of broadcasts, and thank you once again for joining me, one and all. I'm looking forward to doing it again next Monday, so tune in then. Until then, thanks for listening, and take care.